I mean, you're going to make it. Everything's good. Just take a little bit of what I got going on here, and it's for you. Go ahead. Welcome to Thrive in the Future podcast, positive solutions to help you thrive, designing your intentional life, homesteading, gardening, and rediscovering culture and tradition. I'll tell you, many things have troubled me over the years, but one thing that has maybe troubled me most in my use of the internet is the possibility that somebody might be scrolling on the internet and looking at things, and they might be thinking that they're not going to make it. And I'm serious. I mean, there's people who they're having a rough one, boy. And I tell you, I'm not having a rough one today. I woke up at 3.30 in the morning and I drove for eight hours. But guess what? I'm having one of the happiest days I've had in a long time. So I decided that I'd just make a little video just to look in the eye and tell you, I'm here to tell you, I'm up here at the top of New York State where it's snowing and blowing and it's beautiful outside. I've got my own house. Everything is good. I got the Messina blanket on the wall. I mean, you're going to make it. Everything's good. Just take a little bit of what I got going on here and it's for you. Go ahead. It's infinite. There's as much of it as you want. Take it, fill your pockets with it and come back for more. You're going to make it. So just, you know, stick that chin up and keep running. And yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of good things coming for you. You and me both. I'm serious. So so that was a video off of Twitter from Randy from the Adirondacks in upstate New York. He's at Shagbark underscore Hick on Twitter. I really like that video, so I had him on the podcast to talk about it. So Randy shares about living a purposeful life of a vagabond hobo in his early adult years and talks about thriving even through adversity. There's some great tips. So let's get to the episode. Okay, welcome back to Thrive in the Future. This week, I have Adirondacker. Is that how you spell, how you pronounce that? Adirondacker. Adirondacker. Yeah, it's the, it's Adirondacks. I know a lot of people get that confused. Yeah, uh, okay. they think it's the Adirondacks it. or something. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize. I should have looked that up on Google and not embarrassed myself, but you know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> so Randy, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm from Northern New York state. Um, originally I, I spent, you know, all my young life here and, uh, I left the house. I was basically a hobo. I traveled around as a hobo and, um, went all over the country mm-hmm. and doing that really showed me a lot about where I'm from and made it such that, uh, I realized how lucky I am to be from here. Um, and I, and I noticed in my travels as well, I've seen decline in rural places. I've seen small towns where people have, uh, they have a beloggered mentality. They have a negative mindset about the way things are. There's just a lot of, uh, there's a lot of problems in this country that don't go talked about. And a lot of them come down to your mindset. So I'm big on staying positive and celebrating the history and the land of where, where, where we all live, you know, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. We're all about positive solutions. So yeah, I really like your video. You're going to make it. That really stood out. And then, so you talked about being a hobo. I liked your long thread about like 25 posts about all the details of living on the road and how you had 2000 plus nights camping and a lot of it stealth camping, right? 
and only got caught a few times, but there was some, some neat tips in there about, you know, even like getting your climbing belt out or your climbing rope out and climbing up to the top of the picnic shelter. Cause nobody looks up. Right. So you're hanging from a, you know, your hammock up in the picnic shelter, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've done that. I've done that plenty. I put hammocks all types of weird places before. I was really a hitchhiker, but there was times where I was hopping freight trains. And one of my favorite spots to hammock that I ever did was, uh, they call it a pig with wings. So a flatbed uh, rail car, mm-hmm. they do intermodal freight. So they'll take a 53 foot long um, uh, tractor trailer. And some of those tractor trailers in between the, I guess the kingpin and the, and the back wheels, there's like a, uh, a streamlined piece of material there to make it more fuel efficient. They're like little wings that hang down. So the intermodal freights go the furthest, the fastest. So you can put a, a hammock up underneath those little wings and you hide from everyone. And it's the smoothest ride. You're just like falling asleep doing so 70. So you're, you're underneath the tractor trailer on a railroad car, right? On a flatbed railroad car. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. You can get really far doing that. And it's, I don't know. I, I like the hammock aspect of it. Cause if the train jumps from the slack in between the cars, sure. you don't really feel it that much. The, the hammock kind of balances you out, you know? So uh-huh. yeah, wow. but it was all sorts of stuff that I was doing like that just to make a go of it, to travel as much as I could. And for as long as I could without having to work. Right. Um, because I, I don't know, I just never really took to doing that. So, yeah, you were doing some woofing and all that other stuff and uh, working on folks land, right? I did some of that, but that was really, that was really secondary or tertiary. What I, what I was really doing for a living at that point was I was work, uh, doing general labor, agricultural labor, picking beans, picking dates, picking oranges, uh, and also like things like laying tile in people's houses or putting up like patios. Um, I always found that if you go to home Depot at about four 30 or five in the morning with a backpack, you'll very often see a bunch of Hispanic looking dudes standing around and you'll get hired if you stand with them and you speak just the most basic Spanish. So, Hmm. um, used to do that just for cash, uh, just for food money and beer money. Basically that was it. Really? Wow. Yep. Besides your, your home, what's your, what's your favorite place that you've camped or visited? You know, that's a difficult question and I get it a lot. I think the, there's different genres of places, right? Like I could tell you my favorite city is Montreal, but Montreal isn't my favorite place in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the place that exacts the, the most intense psychological impact on me that just has me perennially returning Hmm. is the U S Canada border. Yeah. Particularly in New York state. I'm almost obsessed with the border and particular towns. There's a town called Churubusco, New York, which is really in the town of Clinton in Clinton County. You go up there, you're 1700 feet up in elevation and the whole world faces North. And all you can see is Canada. Hmm. And it looks like, for where you're at relative to what's going on over there in Quebec, you would think that the place you're at would be heavily developed, that there'd be a lot of action, but you're truly in the middle of nowhere. 
Right. So it feels cool to perch up there and just it's almost like uh, acupuncture for the brain for a traveler to sit in between two points on a map uh, right on a border. And they've got these eerie stone, uh, white stone monuments to demarcate the border. And just being up there is it's like a pilgrimage for me every time I go. Yeah, I love it. And that's why I live very close to those kinds of places along the border. So what's it like in the wintertime, though? No, oh, it's it's a it's a hardy winter for sure. Sure. It's a little different. So I'll tell you where I grew up. I grew up just north of the Utica, Rome area up, you know, in the Tug Hill Plateau. And a lot of people don't realize this about New York State. There's two big wildernesses north of Interstate 90. You got the Adirondacks mm-hmm. and you got the Tug Hill Plateau. And I'm kind of from right in between them, you know. In the Tug Hill Plateau, we get lake effect snow. So there's humidity off of Lake Ontario and the Canadian wind blows that over to us. It's a snow machine. So right. you'll get, you know, two feet of snow in 12 hours. Mm. You'll get six feet of snow in a week. I've seen wow. it before. It's crazy how it'll go sometimes. Whereas up on the border, they don't get lake effect snow, but it's way colder because you're just getting that straight Arctic air off the Canadian shield. Sure. So you'll get down in the negatives for a lot longer up there. Wow. That makes for some cold camping, I would imagine. <laughs> oh, for sure. I, I never did a winter of full camping here. I did, I did live outdoors for one winter in Massachusetts and that was tough enough. I'll tell you that, 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 that really, it took me to a higher level of uh, outdoor living, but I'll yeah. tell you, in terms of stealth camping, nobody's looking for campers when it's negative 10, you know, so you can get away with a lot more. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. What's your main tip? I liked your, you're going to make a tip. What other uh, wisdom tips do you have for thriving? Wisdom tips for thriving. Oh, I, I do pretty well. I'll, I'll, I'll add a disclaimer there and I'll tell you, I get pretty lonesome. Mm-hmm. I won't lie to you about that. There's times where I struggle with that. So when I posted that video of you're going to make it, it's not like I've uh, had a strictly easy go of things. And I'm just saying that in a kind of condescending way, it's really quite the opposite. I've, I've had a lot of lonesome days and a lot of difficult times. And um, you just got to, you got to adapt your mindset to the situation that you're in. I'll tell you probably the number one thing I could tell people, you got to know how to entertain yourself. There's so many people who I run into and they're like, I'll tell them where I live and they'll be like, oh, isn't it boring there? I'll be like, didn't you hear from your grandma when you were a kid that if you're bored, you're boring, you know, <laughs> like, let's get it together. You know, like, yeah, I, I think if you can't be stone cold alone with no one around and no Internet and maybe even no books and nothing to look at and still just be. I don't know, singing songs to yourself, drawing stuff, working right. out new schemes in your head, uh, writing poems, whatever it is. You got to be the kind of person you, they could put you in a rubber room and you would just be chilling because you, you've got so many things to do in your own mind. You wow. got to be that kind of person. That's how I feel, you know. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's great. Yeah, one of the one of the tips of thriving is is being able to handle that other, you know, it's not it's not up, up, up all the time. It's, it's even thriving through the trial and adversity too. Right. 
Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I I'm, I'm totally down with that. And I actually would say that you shouldn't even be trying to avoid adversity. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I told you, I did a lot of work with, with immigrants from Latin America. These are people who have nothing. Uh -huh. Their lives suck. Like it's hard go 18 hour days getting less than minimum wage. That doesn't matter. What matters is they come from nothing. Mm -hmm. They got nothing and they're the happiest, most charitable, nice people you've ever met in your life. And then when you go to your local strip mall and you wander around at Panera and all these, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond, you see the people in their SUVs and they really have a pretty good life. They're miserable to you sometimes. And it's like, maybe they're miserable because they don't have any adversity because adversity shows you what love is for the people who are around you. And it shows you more about yourself. So if you don't know yourself and you don't really have any impetus for loving other people, you might be in a bad spot, mm. you know? So yeah. I almost wouldn't, I wouldn't avoid adversity. And, and so what you're saying is true. You got to just roll with the punches and keep on moving. And you're going to, you're going to come out on top, you know, in your own, in your own respect, you know? So. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's an excellent tip. So what's your plans for the summer then? Do you go somewhere else during the summertime? Oh, uh, well, I don't. So people sort of miss this, I think, in that thread. It's like I don't currently travel. Right. So but I'll say I, I quit traveling for I quit traveling for a woman, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And it became clear in my stationary form that I needed to uh, get a get a J-O-B <laughs> and uh, no one would hire me. Cause I hadn't worked for, you know, I was 25 and everybody's like, what have you been doing since you were 17? You know? Right. Right. And uh, so I joined the military and uh, I used the resources that I gained access to through the military to purchase a house up on the Canadian border. So Ooh. I've got that now. And for the first time in my life, and I, I really just moved in for the first time in my life, I'm settled up to the point where I think I'm stable enough to do some writing mm -hmm. and everybody and their brothers always like, Oh, when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book? Well, I'll tell you, I'm reticent to write a book because I don't, I don't want to come across. Like I think I'm so cool for living the life I've lived. I've just been trying to get the most out of it. You right. know, it's like being at the buffet. You're going to sit there and, and have just one plate at the buffet. No, you're going up for the chicken. You're going up for the crab. So uh, that's all it is. But people want me to write a book. I'm trying to write a book this summer. That's my big goal. Yeah. I like your writing. You've got a sub stack as well, right? I do. Yeah. I haven't been, I haven't been updating it because I'm going to transition it to, I'm going to start doing like a documentary kind of uh, journalism thing where I'm going to start interviewing people who are in their eighties and nineties who live up North here. Wow. And putting those interviews out on my sub stack because it started as like rural revival, celebrating upstate New York. And I kind of want to push it to just building a repository of wisdom from the elderly who sure. are up here and, and frequently aren't even being listened to. So mm -hmm. I really want their, whatever they have to say, I don't care what it is. I want it to be heard and understood. So I'm going to start doing that. That's cool. Yep. Yeah. That's definitely a need. I know that, uh, you know, the elderly are kind of looked down on and stuff, but I mean, there's stories there. going to be sad. You know, some of those are lost. Yep. My, my grandmother talks about how 
she thinks things have skipped a generation mm-hmm. where Gen X was like, they were almost anti-wholesome, anti-traditional to the most extreme degree, totally disinterested in all that sort of stuff. And she's noticed from when she was young to now that it skipped a generation and people who are my age and younger all of a sudden are like, no, I want to know how to knit. I want to know how to darn a sock. I want to know how to, how to make a a roast pork or whatever. Um, So I think that saving that information, getting that out there and those stories is really going to help that next generation who a lot of times they're trying to go back to their roots via YouTube videos and Wikipedia articles. Sure. Um, So, yeah. I feel for people who are in that position, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I think that, uh, so I live close to a college town in Northeast Kansas and a bunch of them it's, uh, don't even know how to cook. Got all the way through college and don't know how to cook. Right. And taking takeout for all of the whole, whole way through college or they're doing that always fresh or whatever, you know, whatever those things where they send you all the ingredients and it's like, you just spent 30 bucks on a plate when you could have gone to the grocery store and got the same thing. hundred percent. Yep. Learned how to cook. That was one of the things I really regretted was I didn't teach uh, my, one of my daughters how to cook. And then she was like, she was like, I don't know what to do that and changing the tire. So we were talking about adversity, right? And uh, if you don't take your kid and show them when you're changing the tire, then the first time she had a flat tire, it was absolute catastrophe. She was freaking out, having a panic attack. And I'm like, just settle down. It's normal. But she had never seen that as normal. It's real important to say, it, to say hey, come on over here. I'm going to show you how to do this. Or at least they can watch instead of saying, why don't you go in the house? And stuff. <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> yeah. So that's something that's really, uh, real important that I've found. Yep. You don't show your kids this kind of stuff. It's like a it's a whole cultural mindset Mm -hmm. that everybody was in on. It's not anybody's fault for doing it in a sense, but like I just bought this van and I'm sitting in the van talking to you and a hallmark of that era. I, I, I think it's so funny is this was the luxury model in 2008 and uh, it's got a DVD player. Yeah. And I'm laughing so hard because I remember that era, like George Bush was president the price of gas was crazy and everybody wanted a DVD player in their minivan, you yeah. know, and you're just like, there was something was off. Everybody sort of knew, I think, who was kind of keenly observing, like something's going very strangely in this country. Uh, it was weird for us to watch because I grew up in, in upstate New York is a very backwards place. We're probably about 40, 50 years behind the rest of the country in a lot of ways. Uh And I was raised by old people. I was raised by my grandparents. So you're looking, you're seeing all these DVD players and vans and TSA at the airport and this, all this news of all the stuff was going on. It was like, everybody just took a step away from original American culture and just entered this bizarro stage in, in our history. And we're still recovering from that. I think that whole chapter we're still trying to figure out how to uh, reach back into the dark and just kind of find our way back to something solid, you mm-hmm. know? So. Yeah, definitely. You can see that when you go to the restaurant and everybody in the whole family at the table next to you is on their phone. 
Oh, geez. Yeah, I know. The kids are I on know. their phone and the mom and dad are on their phone. I'm like, why are you at the restaurant? <laughs> it's family. I time. know. Well, there's no family time going on here. What's going on? <laughs> I know. Well, I worked, I worked a, a weird job where I was in an office and I wasn't doing much. And I bought a smartphone and oh. I never had a smartphone. I was always leery of the idea. And I especially didn't want to use Google Maps because... I think it's good for your brain to know where you're at. Sure. And like I could, I could drive to Seattle right now and you give me an address. I'd probably find it, you know? Um, and so then, but I get this job where I'm doing nothing. They, they just had me sitting there. I'm like, isn't there something for me to do? They said, no. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to buy a smartphone so I can read on it. And I got so hooked on that thing, man. I was <laughs> I was really uh, worse for the wear with that. And that was actually how I got on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then I got addicted to Twitter and, and good things have come from it. I've made great friends. Like I, people, people say it's a hell site or whatever. I like Twitter and I think it's fun and cool, but I, I had to get rid of that smartphone. I couldn't, I couldn't be doing that anymore. I, I went back, I got a, a, it's not even a flip phone. It's like a Nokia, you know I mean? Right, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I can't do it with the smartphones. <laughs> Man, that's okay. I think you're best you're better off that way just because like you said, I'm sitting at around the, the fire pit last weekend and I'm sitting there and and I'm not present. I keep thinking, "Oh, I need to look this up." And and at one point I was like almost twitching, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's like just and and had to go through a whole relaxation exercise to relax and it's just like wow look around here i got whippoorwills and i and everything else and got my wife sitting next to me and i'm sitting there distracted that's big time good good tip yeah i know when i'm all wound up like that it'll come and go in waves It, it won't just be for an hour it'll be for like a week oh really and that that's when i break out the chamomile tea uh huh I'll be sitting around. I'm telling you, I'll wake up and drink chamomile tea and I'll drink it all day long. Uh-huh. And it'll slowly get me down to really? a level where all of a sudden I'm, I'm a little sleepy, uh-huh. but I'm chilled out. And I don't know, I, I really am big on using herbs and such wherever you can. I mean, I'm not like a completely anti-modern medicine uh, type person, but those herbs are really a big gift. You know, I try to use sure. them. Well, cool. Thanks a lot for talking to me. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I guess uh, everybody ought to know that they are going to make it. Like I said in that video, you know, just got to got to keep on uh, keep on trucking. So. Yeah, I bring that video up when I uh, when I need some encouragement. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm almost hesitant to keep making more. People are like, oh, when are you going to put another video out? I'm like, oh, I don't want to be disingenuous. Maybe I'm one and done. But uh, I don't know. I probably will make more soon. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. Thanks a lot. Thanks to Randy, the Adirondacker, for joining us on this episode. You can check him out at shagbark underscore hick on Twitter and shagbark.substack.com. Thank you for listening to Thriving the Future podcast. Like us and follow us on your favorite podcast app. So we've had some interesting episodes here recently, this one with Randy, also the how to help kids deal with climate anxiety, as well as rediscovering culture and tradition. 
This is stuff you're not going to hear in other places. So if you like it, shoot us a tip using Venmo at Thriving the Future. Also, check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash thriveinthefuture. If you join, you get early episodes. You get the extra episode with Cyprian and as well as a lot of extras. That's patreon.com slash thriveinthefuture. Next time on Thrive in the Future podcast. Next time on Thrive in the Future, Perpin's back in town and I hope to get him back on here. Check it out.